So, be honest with us now. Are you up to date with your blogging? Or are you like so many of your fellow photographers probably also listening to this interview, busy and working on all the other areas of your business that blogging tends to fall by the wayside? I mean, is blogging even still a thing these days anyway? Um, Yes, yes it is. And our guest today is here to share how you can confidently and efficiently produce blog posts that not only attract your dream clients, but they also increase your web traffic and your inquiries. It's Michaela Vargas from Pet Marketing Unleashed, and we're so excited to have her on the show. Michaela is an expert in the world of pet industry marketing, and she's all about creating systems and strategies that reduce stress and get pet businesses working while away from your desk and, you know, out photographing the dogs. Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club with your hosts, Caitlin and Kirsty. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick arse business strategies. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Kirsty McConnell. And I'm Caitlin J. McCall. And welcome to season 10, episode 7 of the Pet Photographers Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm grateful to be chatting with you guys. So as you guys said, my name is Michaela. Um, I own Pet Marketing Unleashed. We've been around since 2017 and we're all about helping pet business owners build optimized and stress-free pet businesses. And we do this through website design, branding, VIP days, our template shop and courses. So we have a lot of different ways um, to help different pet businesses. Um, We primarily work with pet service businesses. So uh, pet photographers, dog trainers, um, dog walkers, pet sitters things like that. Um, and it's been, it's been really fun. I love being able to work with the pet industry. Yeah. Awesome. So it's really nice to have you on the show, Michaela, with your perspective, given that you work with the broader industry rather than like only pet photographers. So you'd have a really nice insight into, you know, collaborating between these different service providers and this kind of thing, I imagine. Is that correct? Yeah. It's it's really fun to be able to combine not only like the different types of pet businesses, but also, you know, I love to look at different sides of things. So it's also just um, pet industry in general. It's just maybe the blogging industry in general. It's web design, best practices, like whatever it is. I like to kind of pull from different things and kind of combine what works for each particular business, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I bet. Sometimes um, what we notice in like the photography world is that a lot of us only look at each other, each other, for examples, you know, like, oh, what can I do for my marketing next? And then we look at other pet photographers, even not even other portrait photographers, but just pet photographers. Um, and so I imagine working with somebody like you would be great because you have this, um, yeah, kind of all of all of these different industries influencing you as well as the, um, yeah, like you just mentioned, you know, like the knowledge of other specific fields as well. So let's jump straight into this um, discussion around blogging and in particular, maybe something that we might not have heard of yet um, as photographers. So first of all, uh, as Caitlin kind of mentioned in her intro, is blogging still relevant um, from your point of view? And um, yeah, let's start start there, I think, with that broad question. 
Yeah, um, it's absolutely relevant. And I think it's something that really won't go away um, because, you know, as businesses obviously are all online at this point, um, especially, you know, when businesses had to really transition with COVID and things like that and, you know, kind of adapt their businesses accordingly and things. Um, it's, it's such a popular way to um, get you know, clients to find you um, via Google and stuff like that. And a lot of people are, especially millennials, we love to do um, research. And given that they are the primary pet owner now, um, our millennials, you know, those are the people that are searching and researching and they want to make sure that the person that they're hiring, no matter what type of business it is, they're legit, they're experts, um, they resonate with their style and they can get a little piece of your personality and things as well with, with blogging. So there's so many benefits um, to blogging. And I do like to also piece it out with how can you make it help your process as well? So not just like, you know, is this a, you know, a nice tip for a potential client, but also maybe showing the back end of your process. And there's so many ways you can get it to work for you and help you save time for, you know, client questions and things like that. It feels like a lot of the time, um, our marketing efforts these days are more focused on, I guess, quick, turnaround but kind of disappears uh, content that we're putting out there. Instagram stories is what I'm thinking about. But I feel like that's where a lot of our pet photographers, and I'm guilty of doing this as well, put our effort in and blogging seems like it's something that would stick around for for a bit longer, pay off in the long term. Um, But obviously it takes a lot more time to create potentially, although I know you have some tips to help us there. I guess, what are your thoughts on that difference between creating content for blogging, um, which might be a little bit more difficult to get eyes on versus creating content for your social media? Yeah, I'm actually really glad that you brought that up, um, especially in the day and age of, you know, social media where there is this push. And I think a lot of it is more of a vanity perspective, not that, I mean, Instagram and social media Mm -hmm. can do wonders for your business. Absolutely. But um, figuring out how it actually affects your business, where are you getting your clients from? That sort of thing can be really helpful. But, you know, something like Instagram stories and typically how Instagram stories works is, Instagram stories are primarily for people who are all already following you um, because that's you know what shows up on the top of the screen. Whereas if you're using you know hashtags and things like that on your posts, um, that can appeal to new clients. But again, like kind of what you just mentioned, a lot of times you post that and then it's kind of just gone. Um, people aren't really seeing it, especially um, depending on you know how large your hashtag was. For example, you know that post is already forgotten and kind of. Um, unless someone comes to your profile and wants to look at your, um, feed as a portfolio or something like that, which can be really helpful. Um, it kind of does get lost, um, as what you're saying. So with blogging, what's really nice, um, it is kind of a more of a long-term strategy. So for example, even on my end, um, I have a blog post, I believe I created in 2018 or 2019. Um, and that like, I think it was a year ago became my most popular blog post and is my highest driver of traffic to my website. And that was created a long time ago. And coincidentally enough, it actually is about Instagram, that blog post, but it just shows you that even if you create it right away and you don't have 
hundreds of hundreds of people going to that particular blog post right now, that can still be growing um, exponentially over time. And then that kind of, as it grows, it just keeps growing and growing because Google's, Google's realizing, all right, this is a really valuable piece of content. So I'm going to put it up higher and higher on you know the rankings. And so there's just a way for you to ex- exponentially grow as people start searching for whatever your blog topic is about. So, Michaela, what I'm kind of hearing is your blog strategy is focused on more of a long-term goal. Your socials are more of a, like Facebook, especially Instagram stories, et cetera, are more of your short-term passive marketing. So, with that in mind, um, where, what do you recommend for sharing your blog posts on your social media? Uh, as in like, do you use the exact same content? Do you use snippets? Like what do you recommend for getting that information onto social media? Cause I imagine you're sharing cross platforms, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's, there's no one specific answer here because there's so much that you can do. Um, you know, because I know that you know, as busy entrepreneurs, it can be really hard to like, all right, I need to do blogging and I need to do Instagram and I need to do Facebook and all of these different platforms, which can just be a lot. Um, so what's the nice thing as well with blog posts is you can create like endless amount of Instagram posts or Instagram stories or Pinterest graphics. Like there's so much you can do and pull specifically from a blog post. You can use it and pull it with, if you're doing email marketing, like you can pull it in so many different places. Um, and that can help you save time too. So you don't have to be creating, you know, separate stuff, um, every single time. So, you know, something I like to, you know, you can introduce your blog post. You can also share snippets of your blog post. You can recap a blog post. Um, there's so many different ways that you can go about sharing, um, your blog post. But I, I definitely recommend at least making use of it. Um, you know, don't leave it so separate so that you're getting people, um, to your website. Mm -hmm. that totally makes sense um so is there like a I know we're talking about blogging but since we're on social media at the moment as well is there kind of a general rule for um you know it's not ideal for sharing the entire blog post in one say Facebook post um for whatever reason or it's a good idea to share like just the first paragraph or like is there any kind of general rule with that or it just depends like article to article depending on sort of the length or whatever yeah that's a good question and I feel like it really does depend um you know even you know for myself sometimes I'll share you know if I have like seven different strategies for X topic. I could share those tips, you know, all of them. I could share three of them and say, Hey, read the rest or for more details on all of these tips, head to the blog post, things like that. Um, but I mean, it goes back to what is your overall goal with your post, right? Are you just trying to educate on social media and you want them to save your post or is the goal to get them to your website? Because say at the end of your blog post, you have a call to action for them to book with you or to schedule a call or to, um, sign up for your opt-in. So depending on what your goal is of that specific, um, Instagram post or blog post, that's kind of where you can alter and adapt, um, to what you're, you know, what you're actually wanting that client to, or potential client to do. Mm-hmm. Actually, that actually reminds me that we should go back a little bit maybe and talk about goals behind um, blogging and topics as well. So like what would be maybe you could give us like a few, I'm not going to give you a number, but you might have like the top reasons um, 
the top reasons that we should be blogging? Like what are the different goals that we could have and how can we measure them? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think as far as goals, um, you want a very different types of goals um, because, you know, different posts will have different purposes. Um, You know, the obvious goal that I think a lot of people want for their website is to get more clients, right? Um, That's like the big one. But I think a lot of times, and especially, you know, with um, my blogging course, which I know we'll talk about at the end of this, um, or even when I was doing blogging for clients, um, a lot of times I feel like, let me see how I can word this. Um, I feel like people just kind of get held up on like, what the heck do I even, what is the purpose of this blog post, right? They think, okay, I just need to blog. Um, but they don't realize like, how can we lead them through a client flow? And it's more about like the onboarding and the process and like, what is, um, so my tip here, I guess is, what is the most natural next step for that particular blog post, if that makes sense. So say you have a blog post and you are doing like a session portfolio or something like that. Um, what is their next natural step? Um, do they want to see another um, session of like something, another place in their local area? Do they want to learn more about your services at that point? So kind of just taking like, all right, what is this blog post about? And in, you know, getting into the potential client's head, what would be the next step that they would want to go on to? So I think a lot of people overthink, um, all right, what should my call to action be? They should all be like, yeah, book with me right now. Or there's no call to action at all. A lot of people kind of just forget that step because they don't want to be salesy or ask for, you know, them to do something. Um, So I think, you know, I hope this answers your question, but I think that the biggest thing is to take that step back and get into the, um, the head of who is reading your blog post. I feel like for a lot of us, um, that is the, the not dangerous, but the area that we fall into. Um, and I, I'm interested to hear your opinion on some topics outside of a, of a session blog post that we could be writing about, because I, I feel like a lot of us pet photographers sort of think, oh, well, if we're going to be blogging, we'll just put together this client session in a blog post um, and don't put any call to action at the end because we don't want to seem salesy or we've just not thought about it. Um, and I, yeah, I think it can be really easy to fall into that trap. What sort of call to actions would you recommend other than, are you interested in booking a session? Contact me here because I feel like I, I definitely am guilty of that being the only call to action that I can never think of to put at an end of a blog post. So yeah, interested to hear your thoughts there. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, that's kind of like, I sort of touched on this a little bit, but realizing that your call to action doesn't have to be one or nothing. Um, so and in fact, I think smaller call to actions can be really, really powerful. Um, there's something that I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but um, his name was Caldini. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. So the Caldini commitment concept basically says that if you're able to get a smaller commitment from somebody, they're going to be more likely to make larger commitments in the future. So even something as small as read this other blog post or sign up for my newsletter or, um, you know, sending some sort of, um, opt-in or something like that, that they can sign up for. Um, there's so many small, you know, join, follow me on social media, you know, join our Facebook group, like whatever it is, um, that are, you know, smaller commitments that aren't necessarily booking a session. Um, they'll be more likely to commit to larger, um, things in the future. And even if somebody has, um, 
and I'm not sure if this is a popular thing for uh, photographers, but um, if you have smaller um, price, you know, whatever it could be like, maybe if you do like the quick mini sessions or like doing something like that will be, you know, they'll be more likely to come back because they already trust you. They already um, have committed to you before compared to other photographers. Um, So I think the biggest thing there is that it doesn't have to be all about, um, you know, booking sessions and you can, it could be as something as small as read this other blog post. Mm -hmm. So actually probably the easiest way I imagine Michaela to decide what the call to action will be, will be to consider what the topic of the blog post is in the first place. Right. So what, you know, I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but like, can you give some examples of, um, some topics that might be really worthwhile for pet photographers to cover that are not, um, you know, check out my latest session, you know, something else uh, that can help them, you know, with their passive marketing, for example, or just with building trust with their audience. And then we can maybe look in a little bit deeper into the call to actions that suit those topics as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think that is something that's really popular um, is doing those session um you know, portfolio type blog posts, which are really amazing, actually. Um, But some other ideas, especially for local, um, you know, businesses like photographers are things that you can keep local. So for example, um, in contrast to that, I say you had a blog post that's like, why you should hire, why you should hire a pet photographer. Um, somebody in New York could be reading that even though you're a San Diego pet photographer. So yes, it could e- increase your website traffic, but that's not going to be a potential client unless for some reason they're visiting San Diego. Um, so I think keeping most of your posts, um, somewhat local based can be really helpful. Um, and there are endless ways you could do that, right? Like I'm even, um, you know, the best places to take your dog in, you know, San Diego, for example, or pet friendly restaurants in San Diego, like things like that, that can, that are really highly searchable, um, for people that it doesn't have to be all about just pet photography. It can be outside of that, like the pet friendly restaurants and things like that, that are local that think people are searching for already. And those are really good things that can, um, you know, increase your search engine rankings and things like that. Um, other topics can be anything that's educational. And I think that a lot of times, um, especially because there's a lot of competition with pet, you know, depending on where you're, you know, if you're in a bigger city, um, it can be really competitive. There's a lot of photographers out there. Um, so, you know, one way that, you know, you can increase that, um, kind of analysis there in terms of competition is to build trust. And I think that, a lot of times we get really nervous about giving away too much information. Um, but on, on the contrast, it is more like, yeah, you can, you know, for example, do a blog post on how to take really awesome photos of your dog, like with your iPhone. And that could seem like counterintuitive to post something like that. But really what happens is, okay, if they can create decent photos now with their dog um, and they're like, all right, these were really good tips. This person's really smart now I want to work with them. So it's kind of like, I want the results that this person can offer. Um, so, you know, those sort of blog posts can be really helpful as well to give away information that, um, show that you, you know, are willing to help, um, or even things like best outfits to wear on sessions, like things that show that you really know what you're doing, that you're not just like a hobbyist that maybe just like takes pictures for fun. Like this is your career. Um, and it kind of shows through the blog posts, um, you know, that are more educational. That makes total sense. I did a, um, a course last year teaching 
you know, pet photography one-on-one online. And you would think that in theory I was then putting myself out of market, but I ended up having quite a few different session bookings from people that I had taught how to take better photos of their pets because once you position yourself as an expert, it's just so much easier for them to trust you. It seems like even if we had um, these ideas of blog topics that we could be writing to position ourselves as the experts out there, and that would be fantastic, um, I'm feeling like this would be a lot of time spent writing content for people who already have a billion different hats on their heads as solo entrepreneurs. Um, I would love to know if you have any tips. I mean, I always like to know tips on efficiency and systems, but you're just rattling out so many different potential blog topics there. And I'm wondering how on earth anyone would have time to write them all um, and how often we should be writing them and that kind of thing. Yeah, you asked really good questions because I'm really glad that you brought that up. I feel like my, you know, outside of like blogging or design or whatever I do in my business, like my main thing, because I think, and you know, obviously this isn't just the pet industry, but the pet industry is so overwhelmed. I feel like we're just like exhausted and there's so many things to do. And I know there's a lot of overwhelm. So like my, what I bring into every single service or like product or anything that I ever do, it's always with the focus on like, how can we make this as efficient as possible so that you can get, you know, the best bang for your buck in terms of time, money, like whatever it is. Um, so I think, you know, especially with blogging, because it is something that's really overwhelming, especially if you're new to blogging, you don't think you're a good writer, like whatever it is, um, you actually don't need to be a good writer and you don't need to have a lot of time to blog. And the way that you can kind of break this down. Um, and this is something that I really outline in my course, because I think that that's like the biggest reason why people don't blog. They either think I'm not a good writer and I don't have enough time. Um, so the, the biggest suggestion I have for that is to break out your blog posts and types of blog posts. So, um, for example, say you want to blog even like, and this is overshooting it, but say you want to blog four times a month, right? Okay. So 12 times four, as far as the months, that's 48 blog posts that can feel really overwhelming. Um, but say you break it down like this, say you're like, all right, um, the first blog post for every month is going to be a, an interview, right? So say you interview, um, a dog trainer on like how to, um, get your dog, like well behave for like photography or something like that, or how to get focused so that it's easier for photos or whatever it is. Um, and you can make a list then now of 12 different people that you want to interview. Um, and that can be like, you send them a list of questions and they'll respond. And then you basically type that out into a blog post, but they already have the content for you, right? Like you send them the questions, they answer it via email or whoever you want to, you know, do that that's already a blog post and you barely spent any time on it. And that's 12 of your 48 blog posts. That's a quarter of them. Um, but you're not actually just writing out a whole bunch of content, if that makes sense. So there's different ways you can, um, do that as far as like interviews, there's FAQ posts. Um, and the way that, you know, you break them out like that and just do different types of blog posts can make it really easy, you know, for you to realize that you can do this, if that makes sense. That totally makes sense, Michaela. So I don't mean to go back um, to this same question as before, but you, the way that you're describing that and giving those ideas, it makes me realize that there's a quite an overlap still between like social media content and 
blogging and I know lots of pet photographers are doing the same thing with both platforms so like on their Instagram they're just sharing photos of their recent shoots and then on their blog they're only sharing content that is of their recent shoots as well and so now I'm like and we try to encourage our our listeners to share more on their socials than only the recent shoot so doing things like sharing FAQs and um, this kind of thing sharing like partners in you know business partners and this kind of thing Um, and these are similar things that you're saying to blog about so what is the difference between like that sharing the FAQ on Instagram for example and then sharing a blog post around an FAQ is it length do you go into more detail or is it it can it actually be the exact same content um typically depending on the topic I would keep your social media a little bit shorter since you know especially if you are on Instagram just because it's a little bit more of a visual platform um but you still want to make sure you're providing value right like there has to be a purpose to every single um social media post so you know, when it comes to Instagram, giving away one of the tips from the blog post or saying, um, you know, I have this interview with so-and-so and and you're going to want to read this because, you know, like here's the value that you're going to get from it, that sort of thing. Um, but again, looking at what the goal is, right. Are you just having an educational blog post, um, that you just want to share a tip that somebody can save on Instagram and you're like, perfect. I really like this person. They know what they're talking about, or is the goal to get them onto your website? Um, and most of the time you are wanting them to get off of social media and onto your website because your website is the place where they can book with you. Right. So ideally I would say that, you know, most of the time you're trying to actually get them off of Instagram and onto your website. Um, so the more that you can do that with your blog post, which means not giving them all the information in your blog post and enticing them to go and, you know, actually reach out to your, your website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Thank you for clarifying. Um, and so you mentioned before, like, uh, and I know you said you were kind of going a bit big, but, you know, aiming for maybe four times a, a month. So that's 48 times a year. Is that actually a number that you do recommend people aim for? Or how frequent do you think is like kind of good enough, you know, like, cause we always yeah. say like, uh, done is better than perfect. <laughs> That's what we're trying to encourage right. everybody. So, I mean, in an ideal world, I imagine once a week would be fantastic, but if the listener is not able to commit to that and instead they're just going to say, well, I can't blog once a week, so I just won't do it at all. What is a bit more of an achievable number that they could aim towards and it still makes it totally worth it? Yeah, I would say, honestly, and this is, (laughs) I know it's funny. I know people like always want very direct answers and I'll I'll get into that too, but I would even say the biggest thing is whatever you can maintain long-term, right? So say somebody's like, all right, I'm going to start blogging four times a month. Um, and then they, you know, create four blog posts for that first month and then they never blog again that's actually not going to be as effective as if they just did one blog post a month for four months. Um, so, you know, I would say whatever you can get started at, um, and actually commit to. So whether that's, um, you know, one every other month, or if it's once every month, I think that's good enough. Um, and then from there, at least if you create a strategy around how to, how you want to blog or what types of blog posts you want to do, um, that's where you can kind of, once you get comfortable with it, increase the frequency of your blog posts because you'll realize you can do that, do it in less time than you originally thought. So um, I would say even just starting with once a month would be like super, super awesome. 
Uh, I think that's achievable once once you sort of have a system down pat. Um, I'm really keen because I know that you enjoy having these systems and making things more efficient. So I'm really keen to dive into some of your tips about how we can make blogging easier and bring it into our workflow as pet photographers. Um, I know that's something that you also get into in the blogging for your pet biz online course, but I think let's pause this interview here. We're about halfway through and then we can dive into the nitty gritty specifics and maybe some juicy tips that you can share with us for the second half of the interview that we will share with members of the Pet Photographers Club. Before we do jump into part two of the episode, though, Michaela, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, the Pet Marketing Unleashed, I mean, the blogging for your pet biz course specifically, I think, given that that's what we're talking about, but anything else that you want to share? Yeah. Um, I, yeah. So the blogging for your pet biz course is built for all different types of pet businesses. And it really kind of digs more into how to actually walk through the steps of how to blog in a way that really saves you time and still includes the strategy you need to see the results from it. Um, so we go through and brainstorm blog topics for an entire entire year's worth of blog posts. And we kind of, we basically break down the process easily. So it feels really tangible for you. Um, and then walk through the process of building them out. Like how do we create the titles, the outlines, the call to actions so that we have strategy? How do we, you know, make sure that it actually, you know, increases our business, whatever our goals are and that sort of thing. Um, and then we even get into how to implement them, like how to get them posted, how to optimize for SEO and how to go about marketing them and perhaps even monetize some of them. So it's really fun. It's more of like a works workshop style course. Um, so it really is like, here's your homework, like here's the next step. Um, and it really walks through every single step of it. So it feels really easy and tangible along the way. We'll have the links and resources that we've mentioned today in the show notes for this episode. So just visit thepetphotographersclub.com forward slash podcast forward slash 1007. And if you are a member of the club, you can continue listening to part two of our interview with Michaela in the member zone. Don't forget, if you're not a member yet, you can join. It's only $10 a month and goes a long way to supporting this free podcast. And it also includes lots of perks and bonus content. So you can head over to thepetphotographersclub.com to find out more. Thanks for listening to the Pet Photographers Club. To subscribe to the podcast, check out other episodes and keep up to date, head to thepetphotographersclub.com.